<laughs> okay, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here. And this is Restoration Hour. And I'm having to use a backup computer. I'm in Chicago, and hopefully the signal is coming through loud and clear. I'm going to have to go into the... Uh, into the chat room to get some feedback here real quick. And I had the chat room open a moment a moment ago. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it here. Okay. So here we go. Eurofolk Radio. And if it'll open for me, that would be awesome. Alright, I'm just going to have to up a new browser. Because uh, my normal computer also has uh, audio issues. And I'm going to go into the chat room real quick. And tonight's show is going to be a potpourri of different topics, uh, much of which is going to be based on the horrible food <laughs> that they're causing us to eat in the, in this uh, crazy society. So let me see if I can open the chat room again. Okay, sound on. Okay, thank you, Swamp Fox. That's fantastic. Because I, I just had like a few minutes to get this computer up and running. And yes, uh, as your comment from the end of our last show, until the seventh Trump, that is not the seventh Trump <laughs> presidency, but the last Trump of the last Feast of Tabernacles that we have, is uh, when the, the second coming will be and the judgment day will be, etc., etc. So I have to switch to a different browser. I'm using a, a different computer that I'm not used to using. So, but I think uh, I'm just have, <laughs> having to get used to it here. Man, these ads are really popping up. Lindsay Lohan, 36, is almost unrecognizable. It's probably from all the drugs she's been doing. So let me see, because every computer is different, and I have to have control over the uh, information here. Okay, so... First topic, it's, it's going to be primarily about food today. How, how awful the food is that the mass media, the uh, deep state, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and last night we talked about what was going on in D Denmark with the uh, killing of cows and uh, putting farmers out of business for the so-called global warming problems, you know, cow farts. So this is a continuation of that, but here in America. And so this is February 25th, 2023. So the federal government is shooting cows from helicopters in New Mexico. Can you believe it? All right. And this is all sides. Dot com, And there's a, a photo of a cow grazing in a field of uh, really dried up grass. And uh, let me see if I can uh, copy this website. Allsides.com. And send it to the chat room. And here we go.
Oh, I've got a, there we go. Still getting used to this computer. All right, oh, great. Okay, so I've got to log in. Okay, so I can see it right now. Okay. Okay, let me see if I can remember my password. <laughs> okay. Let's try that. Okay, it says incorrect username, but I think I logged in already on Brave. Let's see if I can find my... my uh... All right, so I may just not be able to... Uh... Let me try a different... A newer one because I've got two names here for for login I'll try one more time so I can uh, post messages in the chat room if this fails I'm gonna forget it okay here we go try enter okay that's not working either all right so we're just gonna have to do with the uh, show. I can comment on what people are saying in the chat room, but I can't post anything. So here we go. This weekend, by Rick Baumer, B-O-W-M-E-R. This weekend, cows roaming in southwest New Mexico's Gila National Forest are being hunted from helicopters after the United States Forest Service decided to move forward with plans to use lethal methods to remove approximately 150 head of cattle in Gila National Forest's second chopper hunt in as many years. Despite the Federal Reserve covering, I think, this is not the bank, this is a Federal Reserve, Nature Reserve, I think is what they mean, covering more than 3 million acres, apparently these 150 cows need to be, so, so Three million acres. Three million acres. And 150 cows is too much. I guess the cow farts and cow burps are just too much to take. These 150 cows need to be gunned down from above to protect public safety, threatened and endangered species, habitats, water quality, and the natural character of the Gila wilderness. You mean there weren't cows there <laughs> to be good? <laughs> what about buffalo? I mean, there had to be you know, other animals that are similar to cows. Wild roaming cows? No? They never had that in America before the white man came? The Forest, says, forest Service says the cattle set to be shot from helicopters are feral, F-E-R-A-L, and have been aggressive towards wilderness visitors, graze year-round and trample stream banks and springs causing erosion and sedimentation. A notice posted to the Gila National Forest webpage explains some of the reasoning behind the decision. Quote, The Gila National Forest is working with USDA Animal and Plant Health Inspection Services Wildlife services to remove feral cattle from within the boundaries of the Gila wilderness. Due to the terrain, their numbers are challenging to determine, but the best estimate is there are approximately 150 head of cattle. 
The most efficient and humane way to deal with this issue is with the responsible lethal removal of the feral cattle. Well, it's, it's not humane for the cattle. <laughs> with little dignity, the USFS says the dispatched cattle will be left on site to naturally decompose, but will ensure no carcasses are adjacent to or in any water body or spring designated hiking trail or known culturally sensitive area. So they say. But the U.S. Forest Service's description of its chopper hunt taking place between Thursday and Sunday is questioned by some cattle growers, such as the Ranchers Cattlemen Action Legal Fund United Stock Growers of America. Okay, so the cattle ranchers are now protecting the environment from the government. The New Mexico Cattle Growers Association, Human Farming Association, and Spur Lake Cattle Company. After an application for a temporary restraining order to prevent what RCAF USA calls an aerial slaughter, remember the good old days when uh, white men were shooting bison from the railroad trains and what a horrible thing that was considered to be? But now the government is shooting cattle from helicopters. And that's not a horrible thing. But why? Because the government is doing it. That's why. So, and this, so this uh, restraining order was denied by a federal, or should I say, feral judge, or a federal judge. Its uh, Property Rights Committee Chair Shad Sullivan says the federal government's characterization of the situation doesn't tell the full story. Well, not, no surprise there. According to Sullivan, the cattle in question are descendants of herds that legally grazed on rancher-owned allotments decades ago and estrays may have intermingled with adjacent allotment owners' branded and tagged cattle, proving they are domestic livestock, contrary to the Forest Service's claim the cattle are feral. Sullivan also noted that a fire last year destroyed over 30 miles of fencing near the aerial gunning operation area. So is that, is that federal land? Are the federal fences... Part of the problem, the, the, uh, what's ever left of those federal fences? In Sullivan's view, quote, not only is the gunning down of the animals inhumane and cruel, but an environmental issue as well. He added that the results of last year's chopper hunt were in some cases considered grotesque, as some cattle were shot but were not killed. Calves were left motherless, and mature cattle received injuries that prolonged suffering leading to an inevitable death and leaving carcasses strewn about the land and in waterways. Sounds like a Jewish slaughterhouse. This time around, Sullivan estimates that the hunt taking place this weekend will leave 65 tons of beef to decompose. Beyond the cruelty Sullivan accused the U.S. Forest Service of employing, he said a larger issue, quote, may be the unchecked power by unelected bureaucrats within governmental agencies, setting a precedent for how federal officials handle authority. <laughs> oh, oh, no problem there. No, no. Uh, they, they, uh, the Bundys out west, no, they, they had no problem with a, f a federal overreach of power. And the fat, and then Lavoie Finnicum? No, he wasn't murdered by the feds. No, 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 wait. 
And the fact that area cattle ranchers are contending that the USFS isn't abiding by its own regulations. There we go again, folks. When has the government ever abided by its own regulations? Doesn't happen, folks. Quote, over the years, by overregulation or otherwise, allotment owners have left or have been, have been removed from the area, leaving the land vacant and without proper management. Yeah, well, the government, the government can manage anything, right? Who, who needs experienced cattlemen <laughs> to manage, to, to manage the herds while they're or, or docile? This resulted in remnants of cattle herds being left behind. With no plans by USFS to reactivate vacant allotments and lengthy and unsuccessful contract applications for a more humane cattle removal plan, the decades-long problem has come to a head. Again, government overreach and government incompetence, no doubt about it. Sullivan further cited, quote, pressure from environmental groups as weighing on the Forest Service's decision to use helicopter hunters to put down the cattle. So environmentalists who normally love animals more than humans are now complaining that the uh, you know, there's too many cattle and they need to be killed. Why don't they make up their minds? They're either pro-animal or anti-animal, right? So would it okay, be okay to kill baby seals if they shot them from helicopters? He and RCAF USA maintained their call for the USFS to consider other options, such as seeking applications for private individuals to gather the cattle over time, or at least putting the meat from the astray cattle to good use, such as for feeding people. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, you can't have that. People in need. Well, who's in need? They're trying to kill us all, so there's no people in need. We need to get rid of people. They eat too much uh, beef. So your tax dollars at work, funding chopper chow hunters that will leave some 65 tons of otherwise good beef to decompose in a, well, they're trying to starve us after all, are they not? In a national forest because otherwise 150 cows might trample some grass in the 3 million acre reserve. Okay, folks, this is the nature of our government. It's been this way for a long time because the Jews have taken over our government for decades now already, since the 1960s. And actually earlier, you know, the Federal Reserve Bank guaranteed that the Jews run our country. So uh, let's, let's look at the next article here. And switching. All right. No. Okay. So <laughs> from from dead cows in the wilderness, to lab-grown meat. Lab-grown meat. Yummy! From Daily Clout. You're not going to believe this headline. Lab-grown meat is made of cancer cells. Would you like it rare or medium? Okay, how... Do you grow meat with cancer cells? This is February 23, 2023 by Igor Chudov. Headline, USDA does not allow animal tumors to enter food chain. 
but lab-grown meat is made of tumor cells. How do you know if you're buying lab-grown meat or real meat? They're killing the cows, so the only option is going to be, eventually, lab-grown meat. According to Bill Gates, oh, our favorite person, Bill Gates, and the World Economic Forum, our, our favorite organization, ongoing global warming threatens to destroy humanity, right? Methane coming from the belches and farts of cows is a greenhouse gas. So cows are a problem, as we just found out in the wilderness, where the uh, federal government is killing cows you know, for, for target practice. Fortunately, Bill Gates has a solution for us explained in this video. We need to stop growing cattle and switch to lab-grown synthetic beef. I, I'm not going to turn that on. I'm not sure if my sound settings will allow this to play. But <laughs> here's the second item here. You will be eating replacement meats within 20 years. Here's why. Bill Gates and Richard Branson are betting lab-grown meat might be the food of the future. Well, whatever Bill Gates bets on, he gets. The CNBC article explains that, quote, lab-grown meat, that is, cell cultures grown in giant stainless vats, is not the same as fake meat made of soy or pea protein. It could be worse. <laughs> I think I'll take pea protein. That is P-E-A. Vegetarians have long touted the ethical and environmental problems with meat production and consumption, yet yeah, are all paid by the FDA and the ADL to be complainers. Startups such as Mosa Meat, J-U-S-T, and Memphis Meats are tissue engineering meat in a lab to allow people to enjoy being a carnivore <laughs> of sorts, I guess without any of the environmental or ethical hang-ups. Well, the Bible says we're allowed to eat meats, and we're supposed to eat meat. Don't have to, but we're, you know, how are we going to do Passover without real food? Fake food? With Passover, fake food? Feast of Tabernacles with fake food? I don't think so, folks. We've got to put it into this. Dubbed clean meat. The efforts are distinct from fake meat, like the soy protein chicken you can find in your grocery store today. Unlike Morningstar or Boca Burgers, uh, these should be called Gates Burgers. What about, what about Cricket Burgers? Clean meat really is meat. Okay, sort of. It's just grown in a lab <laughs> instead of being part of an animal. Okay, well, how do we know it's made from real beef? What is the source of this lab meat, so-called? Or is it dog meat? Or is it human meat? How do we know? Just because Bill Gates says so. Next heading here. This is kind of scary. Lab-grown meat is made of immortalized cancer cells. Would you believe? 
This excellent Bloomberg article, Paywall Free Link, clarifies that all lab meat is grown as immortalized tumor cells. Yummy! Very nutritious! As the article explains, now wait a minute. Since most meat, let's say, let's say beef, is either grass-fed or corn-fed beef, so that the nutrition from the grass or from the corn gets into the beef. What do they feed? <laughs> what do they feed the lab meats? I wonder if the article gets into that. What do they feed it? Synthetic minerals? Synthetic this, synthetic that? <laughs> Under the right, uh, th uh, thank the biotech revolution. Oh yeah, thank you very much. Under the right conditions, animal cells can be grown in a petri dish, or even at scale in factories full of stainless steel drums. For decades, companies such as Pfizer, oh no, oh no, Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson have cultured large volumes of cells to produce vaccines. Are they going to use the same lab meat that they culture vaccines from? Are the vaccines already in the lab meat? I guarantee you, folks, it is. Monoclonal antibodies and other biotherapeutics. Now, the idea is that we might as well eat these cells, too. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, what are these cells? The big honking asterisk is that normal meat cells don't just keep dividing forever. To get the cell cultures to grow at rates big enough to power a business, several companies, including the big three, are quietly using what are called immortalized cells something most people have never eaten intentionally. <laughs> Immortalized cells are a staple of medical research, but they are, technically speaking, precancerous and can be, in some cases, fully cancerous. Oh, boy, the profits, the dollar signs, and the eyes of Pfizer and company are enormous. The article puts a human face on some of these cell lines. For example, the HeLa line, that's capital H-E, capital L-A line, made from the cervical cancer of Henrietta Lacks. Are you believing this? So, it's named after a woman. Her meat. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Or is it just named after her? It's scary enough. Maybe it's really her. <laughs> Maybe it's really her meat, and they don't want to admit that they're feeding us her meat instead of whatever this lab meat is really made of. Folks, this is really scary. It, uh, it, it boggles the imagination. So, 
Henrietta Lacks. L-A-C-S. That's where immortalized cells come in. They've been used in medical research since the early 1950s, when the first and most famous immortalized cell line derived from the cervical cancer cells of a woman named Henrietta Lacks was successfully grown in a lab. Oh, that's so appetizing. The distinction, and I have a picture here in the article, the distinction between precancerous and cancerous cells is relatively minor. Cancerous cells, by definition, can float away from the tumor site, travel through the blood or lymph, and start a new tumor metastases in another location in the body. Yeah, so if you eat this stuff, it can metastasize all over your body. The distinction is important for the clinical outcome of a patient with a newly discovered tumor, but involves only a minor biocellular distinction. How often do they make mistakes? Don't worry. Prominent cancer researchers tell Bloomberg Businessweek that because the cells aren't human, it's essentially impossible for people who eat them to get cancer from them, or for the precancerous or cancer cells to replicate inside people at all. Oh, I'm so reassured. And cow tumors sometimes wind up in store-bought ground chuck, too. Yeah, that's reassuring also. <laughs> now, the editor here says this is not true. Tumors are never allowed by USDA inspectors. See below. Of course, the facts might not matter much if ranchers or other players in the traditional meat industry felt threatened enough to declare a public relations war. Oh yeah, go ranchers. It's all too easy to imagine misleading Fox News chirons, C-H-Y-R-O-N-S, that's a new term for me, about chicken tumors and cancer burgers. <laughs> Not so misleading. The main problem of growing an endless lab meat supply is that normal tissue cells cannot endlessly repl replicate. There is a limit on how many times they will divide. Vaccine manufacturers, well, that's what cancer is. It's when your cells of whatever organ simply keep multiplying and out of control. So they, these cancer cells will steal all the nutrients from your normal cells and other cells besides whatever cell they're made of and eventually starve you to death. And they probably produce toxins when they use up your uh, your nutrients, and it will eventually kill you. Vaccine manufacturers already use such immortalized tumor cells to make some COVID vaccines and other vaccines. So, they're injecting you with cancer cells, folks. And probably passed into your mRNA. Today, AstraZeneca PLC and J&J's COVID-19 vaccines are grown using immortalized human kidney and retinal cells, respectively. No wonder my eyes are hurting. 
Thus, lab meat and cell line suppliers grow meat from tumor cells that are immortalized. In other words, their cells can endlessly replicate. This is why cancers never stop growing after all. Well, yeah, of course, they have to have some form of nutrition to keep growing. And what, what do they feed these cancer cells? The uh, author has gotten into that subject. Eat Just Incorporated declined to comment for this story. Believer meets Chief Scientific Officer Yaakov Namias. Boy, that sounds Jewish to me. Says that his company uses immortalized cells in its cultured chicken, and that his team has somehow, by means of, he says, even they don't understand, created immortalized cells that don't share any genetic signatures with cancer cells. Sure. Sure they do. <laughs> the author says, are you skeptical of the above? I am. Even Bloomberg author Joe, Joe Fassler, to his credit, doubted the above explanation and asked independent biologists who also did not believe Yaakov Namias' BS. <laughs> Is that a Bachelor of Science degree? Or for the more familiar bovine excrement BS? There's a comment here. This is by the Eat Just Officer Yakov Namias. Two cell biologists I shared his comments with expressed skepticism. No, this is a, a comment by the author. We can see that so far all lab meat is made using endlessly dividing tumor cells. Our body's immune systems are designed to kill off and fight such abnormal and cancerous cells. Thus, cancer cells only take hold when immune systems weaken or the cancer cells learn to avoid immune reactions. Or, yeah, weak, weak immune systems. Cells become immortal in human bodies all the time by mutating to bypass senescence and mutating some more to evade the immune system, which generally tries to kill off such mutants. Usually those mutants die of their own because there's no such thing as a positive mutation. It just becomes, uh, well, a zombie. <laughs> zombie cells floating around in your body. The lab meat companies plan to sell those kinds of solid tumor cells to, to us to eat. Bon appetit. Next heading here. USDA inspectors screen out cancers and tumors in animal carcasses. Okay. Despite Bloomberg's restraint and soothing language, cancers and tumors can never pass USDA meat inspections. Inspectors that observe potential signs of disease or things such as cancerous lesions or tumors retain the carcasses until the public health veterinarian inspector assigned to the establishment can make final disposition of the carcass. As those the carcasses from the wildlife refuge... The PHV inspector will often send samples to a laboratory for further analysis slash confirmation. A carcass remains on hold as suspect until the results of pathology return from a USDA laboratory. And how long does that take? Cancerous lesions or tumors are not allowed to enter commerce or the food chain. Well, of course, 
They don't inspect every carcass. They can't do that. There's millions of dead cows, dead pigs, dead, dead sheep, etc. They don't inspect every single one of them. I think they inspect like one in a hundred, and then they stamp it USDA, uh, the rest of the next 99 with the same stamp. I think, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. If laboratory results indicate the presence of cancer within the carcass, the carcass will be marked U.S. inspected and condemned. Once a carcass is condemned, it is denatured and disposed of so it cannot enter the food chain. Does it become fertilizer? Clarifications. The above story applies to lab-grown meat, products made from immortalized animal tumor cells growing in vats. The plant substitute meat replacements such as Beyond Meat are based on pea or soy protein. As such, they are not related to these lab-grown cancer cell projects. Those plant products are not meat in any sense. They may look and may taste like meat if you spice them properly, right? Uh, maybe tofu. Tofu is a really old, uh, you know, ancient form of plant protein that's made from beans. Beans are protein. And they... And other types of beans, soy, soy protein is not as digestible as other beans, and soy protein has to be fermented in order to be digestible, and that's tofu. And there's another variation of tofu, I can't think of the, the name of it, but uh, it's also fermented, okay? So they have to ferment the soy protein in order to make it digestible, make it edible for human consumption. In addition, fake news websites are screaming that lab-grown meat made of tumor cells will give us cancer. There is no evidence that lab-grown meat will facilitate cancers. Is there any evidence that it won't? <laughs> okay. All right. Next sentence. There is also no evidence that lab-grown meat will not cause cancers. It is simply an unknown. The USDA has a reason to reject tumor-containing carcasses, however. It is best not to make unwarranted claims, and my substack is not about to making up sensationalized stuff. Yeah, he hasn't been paid off yet. Now they want to sell us solid tumor steaks. Ugh! And here's a picture of it. Weird. It's weird-looking meat. The Bloomer article explains that all lab meat is made of tumor cells. At the same time, USDA regulations forbid tumors in meat supply for humans. I am sure that one way or another, Bill Gates and the WEF will lobby for a change in rules so that they can sell us solid tumors as lab-grown meat. At this point, I am torn. Would I rather eat the bugs, crickets, <laughs> or lab-grown tumor meat? How about, or go, go vegetarian? How about real meats and resist all of these newfangled fake foods? What would you choose? None, none of the above, right? Next heading. Okay, okay.
Please help the Daily Clout War Room volunteers blow the biggest story of our lifetime wide open. The information that Pfizer and the FDA wanted to keep hidden for 75 years has been thoroughly documented and compiled into an ebook and made available at Amazon. It's an ad, but it looks interesting. We are shattering expectations, but we need your continued support to push truth up the algorithm, which is not just good for the book and the project, but also for the conversation, forcing the criminals to be confronted. We already have the blueprint for prosecution. We just need enough people informed to demand accountability. And so the title is uh, By the War Room slash Daily Clout. Pfizer Documents Analysis Reports. Find out what Pfizer FDA tried to conceal. All right, that looks very nice. Good luck with that. I hope your project succeeds. So we are, we are moving on to the next article. Now, unfortunately, uh, I can't get into the chat room today because I just I had to switch computers at the last minute. And this computer is not fully set up for the things I need to do. But here we go. <laughs> Lab-grown meat. Unbelievable. Okay. This one is even, well, let's put it this way. We've known all along that graphene oxide is contained in these mRNA vaccines. The industry has denied it. Astrid Stuckelberger had, at a conference about a month ago got up and said, yes, there is graphene oxide in these mRNA vaccines, so-called vaccines. And some uh, big pharma exec got up and shouted her down and said, no, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Okay, well, it is true, folks. <laughs> it is true. And this is an article entitled Detection of Graphene in COVID-19 Vaccines by Micro-Raman Spectroscopy. Technical report. And I have to enter the document here to be able to slide down and read the whole thing. Almeria, Spain. November 2, 2021, Professor Dr. Pablo Campra Madrid, Associate University Professor, PhD in Chemical Sciences, Degree in Biological Sciences. Summary. We present here our research on the presence of graphene in COVID vaccines. We have carried out a random screening of graphene-like nanoparticles yeah, nano-zombies, visible at the optical microscopy in seven random samples of vials from four different trademarks, coupling images with their spectral signatures of Raman vibration, not sure what the R, it's, a, it's an acronym, capital R, capital A, capital M, capital A, capital N, Raman, it's not that, it's not that Raman soup. By this technique called microraman, we have been able to determine the presence of graphene in these samples. After screening more than 110 objects selected for their graphene-like appearance under optical microscopy, 
Out, out of them, a group of 28 objects have been selected due to the compatibility of both images and spectra with the presence of graphene derivatives. Based on the correspondence of these signals with those obtained from standards and scientific literature. The identification of graphene oxide structures can be regarded as conclusive in eight of them. Okay, so they had 110 objects. 28 showed similarities to graphene derivatives, and eight are conclusive showing graphene oxide. And there may be different types of derivatives and different types of graphene oxide, which this particular image that they're comparing with doesn't show. So let's continue. Based on the correspondence of these signals with those obtained from standards and scientific literature, due to the high spectral correlation with the standard, in the remaining 20 objects, images coupled with Raman signals show a very high level of compatibility with undetermined graphene structures, however different than the standard used here. So there's, there's other forms, there's other standards they're suggesting which would show there is, indeed, graphene oxide based on a different standard. This research remains open and is made available to scientific community for discussion. We make a call for independent researchers with no conflict of interest. Oh, man, try to find some of those. Or co-action from any institution to make wider counter-analysis of these products to achieve a more detailed knowledge of the composition and potential health risk of these experimental drugs. Reminding that graphene materials have a potential toxicity on human beings and its presence has not been declared in any emergency use authorization. Very good. Very good. Well, Biden would approve it anyway. Disclaimer. This research has been carried out exclusively by Dr. Pablo Campra without any type of remuneration by any private or public entity nor involvement nor conformity with its results and conclusions by the institution where he is affiliated. The characterization of the related objects corresponds exclusively to the samples analyzed. It is not possible without significant sampling to know whether these results are generalizable to other samples of similar trademarks. Now remember, Dr. Pablo Campra is the one who did the experiment with people who were vaccinated or jabbed with mRNA vaccine, I think it was Pfizer, and he had a, two groups, two groups of people. Group A was unvaccinated, group B was vaccinated, and he tested the, the two groups for radiation of their vaccine information. Which was radiated, which radiates from the mRNA nanotechnology that's uh, injected into people. And indeed, the ones who were vaccinated were radiating information from their bodies, and that information can be picked up by a Bluetooth app on your phone. You can download this Bluetooth app, Bluetooth app, and find out if the person standing next to you. <laughs> 
is radiating mRNA information. So he found that all of the jabbies were radiating this type of information. Some, I think it was two, if I remember the experiment, I think it's two out of eight unjabbed people were radiating this information also, but not for any great length of time. So they must have uh, had some transference from people that they were associating with. Or there's some other mechanism by which this mRNA nanotechnology got into their bodies, either through, through something they ate or something they breathed. They are putting this stuff in your food, folks. But eating it and, uh, and, uh, and having it jabbed into you, directly into your bloodstream, are two different things. So maybe that's why two of the eight unjabbed people were radiating disinformation. Now, incredibly, they found that even after they died, after the jabbies died, this information was radiating from their graves. From their Graves. Let's continue. Dr. Pablo Compra is only responsible for the statements written in this electronically signed file and is not responsible for the opinions or conclusions that may be drawn from its dissemination in media and social networks and not expressed in this document, whose original version, authenticated and signed electronically, can be consulted at the following ResearchGate platform. So I will link these to the uploaded file on Eurofolk Radio after today's show. So here we are going into the article he wrote. It's 75 pages, and I'm on page 4. We're just going to, with 15, uh, actually closer to 10 minutes left, we're just going to scratch the surface here. Part 1, Analytical Methodology. 1.1, Fundamentals of the micro Robin Technique. Due to, due to the characteristics of the sample and to the dispersion of objects with a graphene appearance of micro, micrometric size in a complex matrix of indeterminate composition, the direct application of spe spectroscopic methods does not allow characterization of the nanoparticles studied here without a previous microscopic localization or fractionation from the original sample. Therefore, microscopy, microscopy, <laughs> microscopy, coupled to Raman spectros, spectroscopy, microraman, was settle, selected as an effective technique for an exhaustive screening of micrometric objects visible under the optical microscope. So, it's an optical microscope that they're using to determine this this technique. Raman infrared spectroscopy is a fast, non-destructive technique that allows the verification of the structure of this material by identifying vibrational modes and phonons. That's a new one on me. P-H-O-N-O-N, phonon, directed or generated after excitation with the monochromatic laser 
generating inelastic dispersion that manifests itself in peaks of in infrared emission that are characteristic uh, signature of the reticular structure of graphene and derivatives. So, in other words, somehow or other, <laughs> through this technique, they could detect graphene. And as we have discussed on another show, graphene is a carbon molecule, a magnetized carbon molecule. And the carbon has six atoms. I'm sorry, the carbon atom has six protons and six neutrons, uh, probably six neutrons as well, six electrons. And the carbon atom forms into a six-sided molecule naturally. So it's kind of like a six-pointed star. <laughs> it's a hexagon, not a hexagram. So the carbon atom forms a carbon mo molecule that has six points and, of course, six sides as well. So, so this should be easily recognizable whenever it shows up, okay? Raman vibrational modes of common functional groups. So this is very technical. I'll skip that. Let's see if we can find something here that's uh, not uh, so technical. This is all numbers. Let's see if we get to some actual analysis. Okay, uh, nanocrystalline structure bands. G-band, in a graph here, indicates a permissible phonon vibration, elementary vibration of the net. In the plane of the aromatic ring, SP hybridization, characteristic of the crystalline structure of graphite and graphene, it presents a red shift, lower frequency, as well as a higher intensity with a higher number of layers. On the contrary, the higher energy in doped graphene shows a blue shift. So very, very technical stuff here. Number two, bands activated by anomalies in the graphite structure. These bands are generated by elastic dispersion of the same energy of load conveyors and by phonon confinement, cones anomaly and phonon dispersion. Graph in graphene oxides, the disorder comes from the insertion of hydroxyl, OH, and epoxide, O, groups, that is, that's a kind of oxygen molecule. D-band, it shows the density of defects in the crystal network due to functionalization, doping or structural anomalies generating holes or new SPC centers. The intensity of the D-band decreases with alignment of layers in the graphic structure. Okay, so this is all very, very technical. And, uh, okay, so here... Results and Discussion, Part 3. The micro-Raman technique applied here has proved to be very effective for the rapid screening of a large number of microscopic objects in the detection of graphene microstructures dispersed in complex samples. Compared to micro-Raman spectroscopy of whole aqueous dispersions, 
a combination with my, my <laughs> microscopy in micro ramen has the advantage of allowing the association of spectral fingerprints to nanoparticles visible under the optical microscope. So that's very interesting. So they can detect nano, the presence of nanoparticles under the optical microscope. So you don't have to have an electron microscope to do this. This technique allowed us to focus the prospection towards specific objects with graphene-like appearance, reinforcing their spectroscopic characterization with coupled images or comparing the known image with what they've got under their microscope. In this work, the preliminary selection of objects has focused on two typologies, translucent sheets and opaque carbonaceous objects. Due to their visual similarity with similar shapes observable in standards after sonication or in graphene oxide dispersions, the difference between both typologies is not due to their chemical composition, both derived from graphite, but only to the degree of exfoliation of the starting graphite material and the number of superimposed layers, assuming the threshold of around 10 layers as a reference limit to consider that a material graphite. Anyhow, it was out, outside the scope of our work to further characterize these structures. So, you can see this is very <laughs> intensive research here, and this technique that they've developed, you know, it looks like it, it wants outside verification. And it confirms the original uh, statement made. A total of 10, 110 objects with graphene-like appearance were selected, mostly located at the edge of the sample droplets after dehydration, inside or outside of the dragging area by drying at room temperature of the original aqueous phase. Out of them, another 28 objects in total were selected for their higher degree of spectral compatibility with graphene materials reported in the literature, considering both spectra and images. The images and Raman spectra of these objects are shown in the Annex 3 of this report. It is of interest to note that the samples do not dry completely at room temperature, always leaving a gelatinous residue whose limit can be observed in some of the photographs shown. The composition of this medium is unknown for the moment, as it was not the subject of the present study, as well as the other typologies uh, of micrometric size objects. But as we stated earlier, this paragraph doesn't mention, eight, eight of these objects were confirmed graphene. Eight. Okay, so folks, be careful what you eat. <laughs> be careful what you allow yourself to be injected with. Your life and potentially your interest into the kingdom depends on you not falling for these crazy, crazy newfangled ideas come up with by the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and the other mad scientists employed by Big Pharma. Folks, we have to, we have to get competent with this stuff and give the warning. We're not to, uh, they're going to try to kill us 
tell anything that Bill Gates does is going to try to kill us. He said, we have to eliminate eight, seven and a half billion people, leaving only five billion <laughs> as their puppets, as their playthings. So, folks, be careful. Don't fall for any of this newfangled technology, food technology, etc. It's not going to do you any good. Support the Danish farmers. Support the cattle ranchers of America. Support anybody who grows real food, animal or vegetable. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all next time. No music today because I don't have it on this computer. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye for now.